So today, inshallah, we're continuing with Surah An-Nazi'at, uh, in which we are covering, uh, beginning with Surah 30, uh, excuse me, Ayah number 37, in which Allah Ta'ala says, rajim فَأَمَّا مَنْ طَغَى So as for, the, as for he who transgressed, so now we're seeing, subhanAllah, this is a very important concept that's, that we're seeing now. Earlier in the surah, Allah Ta'ala told Musa go to Fir'aun because he has transgressed. So we were looking at one case study of what happens when tuhyan, when transgression is completely let loose and is free to go as far as it can. Now Allah Ta'ala is saying what? You bring that same verb back of taha, but Allah Ta'ala specifically is saying what? As for anybody, as for anybody who has this tuhyan, this transgression within them. Now, will everybody have the ability to exercise their tuhyan as much as Fir'aun? Obviously the answer is no. However, some people will, to have varying degrees, have this ability to do their tuhyan and the important part is what? The important part is that we have the seeds of this evil inside of our hearts. Uh, excuse me, can we just make sure that the kids don't hang off of the glass here? Assalamualaikum. Yeah, that's very dangerous. Jazakallah Thank you so much. So, yes, that Allah Ta'ala is saying, now it doesn't matter who it is, whether you have the ability to exercise your tuhyan like Fir'aun did, if you have all the wealth and all the ability, or whether you don't, you still might have this tuhyan, this desire to transgress built within you, or I shouldn't say built, I should say deep within your heart. And so because of that, you need to address it. And if you do not, then you're gonna allow this tuhyan to continue to grow. And so Allah Ta'ala is saying what? As for the one who has this tuhyan within them, وَآثَرَ الْحَيَاةَ dunya, And he preferred the life of this world, of this dunya. Now this is also very, very interesting, why? Because we thought, if you take a look at the earlier in the surah, I thought that the transgression that Allah Ta'ala or the evil that Allah Ta'ala was addressing was what? Skepticism. They expressed, expressed skepticism. Allah Ta'ala mentioned how they, these disbelievers are saying, are we really gonna be brought back to life after we're in the grave and after our bones are rotten in ayat 10, 11, and 12? Allah Ta'ala was saying in this very same surah that their crime was skepticism. Yet Allah Ta'ala doesn't say right now that their crime is skepticism, rather that their crime is what? Preferring al-ithar, preference of this dunya to the hereafter. What does that imply? It implies that when they were expressing their skepticism, number one, either they were lying, which is a possibility, or number two, and I think this is very true for a lot of people, that yeah, maybe you do have genuine doubts. Maybe it's true that you have genuine doubts about the afterlife, but what you should do, the honest person, the genuine person, they seek the truth in order to quell their doubts, to quell their skepticism, to address that skepticism instead of just impulsively indulging in this dunya and exceeding all bounds of decency. So this is what is being broken down here. Now, if you don't understand the point of what I'm saying, let me put it in very, very simple terms so that hopefully it won't go over your head inshallah ta'ala. The lesson is this, whenever somebody says, look, I just have so many doubts, you know, I just, you know, yes, you're talking to me about religion and Islam and so on, but I just have so many doubts. You should immediately ask them, okay, and what are you doing about those doubts? What are you doing about it? That usually reveals the truth. Because if you, look, doubts are not a bad thing. Doubts aren't the problem. Because doubts plus sincerity equals what? Equals research. If you have genuine doubts, and you're a sincere person, put these two things together, what do you get? Research, research is a good thing, therefore doubts aren't the problem. Doubts are part of what's fueling you to learn more. It's a fantastic thing. However, doubts plus what? Plus love of this dunya, al-ithar, preference of this world over the hereafter, that leads to kufr. 
Why? Because you're like, look, I'm just gonna run around, chase dunya, plus I have some doubts. I could research it. I could look into it. I could do some reading. I could go ask questions of specialists. I could actually get to the bottom of this, but who cares? I'm just gonna chase dunya, I'm gonna chase all the things that I want, and ultimately, whenever somebody asks me, don't you think this is irresponsible? Don't you think you should be preparing for the hereafter? My answer is what? But I have too many doubts. Do you guys understand this point? It's very, very powerful, because Allah Ta'ala quoted them earlier, expressing skepticism. Now, at, at the conclusion of the surah, Allah Ta'ala is not saying what your crime was skepticism. It's preference of this dunya, why? Because the doubt in and of itself was the front. But what's really going on is what? And this is the beautiful, like you could say, the psychology of the Qur'an. It analyzes the individual and shows you, well, this is what they're saying, but this is what's actually going on. And that difference is very crucial for human beings to understand. Al-Bayadawi, rahimahullah, he said what? That when Allah Ta'ala is saying that athar al-hayat al-dunya, they prefer this dunya, it means that they become so engrossed in this dunya, so much materialism, that it overpowers personal refinement. A tahdeeb, tahdeeb nafs We should all have what? A desire to do tahdeeb nafs To, to uh, inshallah ta'ala, uh, refine yourself personally But subhanAllah, unfortunately some people don't have that ability to refine themselves Why? Because they're so busy chasing the external Instead of working on the internal And this is exactly what we need to focus on Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman rahimahullah who is known as Sahibu Sirri Rasulullah he said something extremely beautiful when he said what? The thing that I fear the most for this ummah is that they prefer what they see over what they know. So the thing about this ummah, alhamdulillah, as believers, we know that the Akhirah is real. We believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We believe in Jannah wa Nar. We believe in heaven and hell. This is what we know. But sometimes what we see overpowers what we know. And so therefore we're like, well, what I see in front of me is the house or the car or the this or the that. And so that's all we want to think about. So he says, the thing I, I fear most is uh, Hudayfa ibn al-Iman rahimahullah, the one who always would ask about fitna. What are the fitan? What are the different trials of this ummah? And he would always ask these questions. So his statement is very, very important. He says, the thing that I fear the most for this ummah is that you prefer what you see over what you know. Very powerful quote. Some of the salaf, they would attribute the following statement to Isa alayhi salam, Isa alayhi salam, and by the way, we can't know this for sure, this is just, you know, something that was being reported, you know, just you know, through uh, pop culture, you could say, or, or just something that was popularly known that was attributed to Isa alayhi salam. Maybe it's true, but then we don't have a clear silsila or chain back to him, but it's still a nice quote anyway. Uh, he said, uh, the statement is, dunya ra'su kulli khati'atin. Love of this world is the head of every sin. It's the, you could say the head or the foundation or the, you know, the crux, the, the, the big issue behind every Every single sin is what? Ultimately, it boils down to hubb dunya, love of this dunya. So what does this mean, preferring al-ithar of this dunya over the akhirah? It could mean what? Preferring entertainment over Qur'an. Playing instead of learning. Uh, uh, wastefulness and wasteful spending over charity. It could be mo uh, preferring movies over halaqat. It could be preferring going to the club or drinking, etc., instead of going to the masjid. It could be idle chat over giving da'wah. You speak to your non-Muslim friends and you rather talk about nonsense, uh, sports and uh, I don't know, whatever else, instead of talking to them about Islam. It could be uh, the desire to fit in over standing out. You don't want to stand out and be different, you rather, rather fit in. This is al-ithar of the hayat al-dunya. This is preferring the, the hayat al-dunya over the akhirah. It could be, and this is a big one, sweet lies over bitter truths. Is a very nice expression. Some people, they prefer what? Sweet lies over bitter truths. Tell me what I want to hear, not what I need to hear. 
I don't care about what I need to hear. I don't care about the truth. I care about just my feelings. That's all that matters. So just tell me what I want to hear. It could be laziness over discipline and so on and so forth. The, 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 the list goes on and on. So does this mean that we should neglect this dunya entirely? No, of course not. Allah says, Allah Ta'ala makes it very clear by saying what? That uh, seek through that which Allah has given you, the home of the hereafter, and yet do not forget your share of this world. So you have a certain share, a certain nasib, a certain portion that is for you. Never forget it, but it should not be your absolute obsession. It should never take over your seeking of the akhirah. In fact, you want to merge the two as best you can so that everything you do working for this life is ultimately with the intention for the akhirah ultimately. Then Allah says what? فَإِنَّ الْجَحِيمَ هِيَ الْمَأْوَى Then indeed the hellfire will be his refuge. Zamakhshari says that the verse implies فَإِنَّ الْجَحِيمَ فَإِنَّ الْجَحِيمَ هِيَ مَأْوَاهُ This is the implication that, uh, that indeed the hellfire will be his refuge instead of the refuge, the refuge meaning his. So um, it boils down to the same thing when you translate it. Now this can be, wallahu alam, some sarcasm from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why is that the case? They were sarcastic when they said, are we seriously going to be brought back? They were being sarcastic to Allah ta'ala about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, are we really going to be brought back after I'm turned into dust? So you could say that this is a sarcastic verse saying, indeed the hellfire will be your ma'wa. A ma'wa is a refuge or a shelter or protection. So obviously is Jahim, is hellfire really a type of uh, a pr protection? No, this seems to be like, this is as much, much protection as you're going to get. This is the thing that's going to be in charge of taking care of you protecting you or giving you refuge and shelter and so forth. In other words, this seems to be a little bit of sarcasm. At the beginning, you could say the uh, introduction of the surah, there was a little sarcasm from, sarcasm from the disbelievers. It seems that near the end of the, in the conclusion, uh, there's a little bit of sarcasm back and Allah knows best. And of course, we should remember, there's a nice quote that says, before you assume, learn. Before you judge, understand. Before you say, think. So in other words, before you become sarcastic and just dismiss something out of hand, you might want to think about it and actually consider it because you never know. It might be that that sarcasm comes back uh, to bite you. Then Allah Ta'ala says, and this is the ayah that we want to focus a lot on, what about the, the righteous? Allah says, But as for he who feared the position or the standing before his Lord and prevented his soul or the soul from unlawful inclinations. So this is very, very powerful. Allah Ta'ala is describing the believer. He has these two descriptions, which are what? That he feared standing before his Lord and therefore what? That he would prevent or he would deny his soul its base, its base inclinations and desires. So first and foremost, we have to analyze this ayah. Allah Ta'ala used the word khawf, khafa ya khafu, which means what? Khawf means what? It means to see and fear an immediate threat. The fact that the believer is so convinced of the akhirah, it's as if he sees this threat right in front of him. When you want to do evil, you fear the hereafter, you fear the hellfire, and you fear the standing before your Lord so much that it's as if you're seeing that moment in front of you. That's why the term khawf is appropriate. And notice that khawf isn't used for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because subhanAllah, the believer knows that Allah is merciful. It's not that I have khawf, this fear of directly towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather, no, I know Allah ta'ala is merciful, but I fear standing before my Lord because what I truly fear is what? My own numerous sins. 
I know Allah is merciful, but what, what about my sins? They're so numerous and they're so bad. So subhanAllah, this is why it's beautiful that Allah doesn't say that he has, uh, he has khawf of Allah. Rather, he says khawf maqama rabbihi. He fears standing before his Lord on accounting day because what I'm really afraid of is my own, looking to my own book of deeds, looking at my own sinfulness, my own weaknesses. May Allah Ta'ala forgive us for all of our shortcomings. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. Also, Allah Ta'ala says a related verse to this is what? وَلِمَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ جَنَّتَانِ Allah says, but for he who has feared the position or the standing before his Lord are two gardens. In Al-Qayyim, I have lots of quotes about this, this ayah of having what? وَنَهَنْ نَفْسَ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ having fear of Allah and also preventing your nafs from its base desires. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah says what? Al-makhluqu idha khifta istawhashta minhu wa harabta minhu wa rabbu ta'ala idha khiftahu anista bihi if you fear the creation, you feel averse to it and you flee from it. Whereas if you fear your Lord, the Most High, you feel more intimate and closer with Him. This is something remarkable about Allah Ta'ala. The more I fear a creation, I'm going to get away from it. The more you fear Allah, the more you have to get closer to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. This is what uh, the, the huge difference. Now, when it comes to the nafs, we know that Ali ibn Abi Talib, some attribute it to him, others attribute this statement to Malik ibn Dinar, Allah Alam, Rahimahumullah. However, uh, both of the, one of the two, they say what? Jahidu ahwa'akum kama tujahiduna a'da'akum. Fight your desires like you fight your enemies. Fight your desires the same way you'd fight your enemies. Very, very powerful quote. Think of your, and it's, subhanAllah, it's hard to do, but I, next time you have this desire and you want to fall into your base weaknesses, take a moment, pause, and say, this is my enemy. If you have the ability to do that, then inshallah ta'ala, you'll be a person of taqwa. Salama ibn Dinar, rahimahullah, says what? Qatil hawaka ashadda mimma tuqatilu aduwaka. Fight your desires. It's harder than fighting your enemies. SubhanAllah is another similar quote. Abu Sulaiman al-Darani rahimahullah says what? Ma faraq al-khawfu qalban illa kharrabahu. Fear doesn't depart from a heart except that it ruins it. The moment khawf min Allah, the genuine fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the taqwa of Allah, the moment that it departs from the heart and you no longer have any fear, you feel like you're invincible, you feel like I'm fine, nothing's ever going to harm me because you have this sort of entitled, arrogant attitude that my life is always going to be perfect. The moment you, that fear of Allah departs from your heart, what's going to happen? It's going to ruin that heart. It's going to destroy you. Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah says what? Ma min ahadin ghalaba hawahu illa ahassa bi quwwati izzin. وَمَا مِنْ أَحَدٍ غَلَبَهُ هَوَاهُ إِلَّا وَجَدَ فِي نَفْسِهِ ذُلَّ الْقَهْرِ Nobody dominates their desires except they feel the strength of honor. Whereas nobody is overcome by desires except they find within themselves the humiliation of defeat. That is a heavy quote. Think about that. The more you have the ability to say, I know I desire this thing, but you know what? I'm going to walk away from it. You feel izzah. You feel honor. You feel this strength. You feel like, wow, I've overcome this huge obstacle in my life. And you realize that this is a greater obstacle than anything on the outside world. Any enemy that you could fight, anything that you could defeat or buy or purchase or anything external, no. The fact that I had the ability to defeat my internal desires, it's going to give you izzah. And the opposite is also true. The more you give in and give in, give in, the more you feel like an abased, pathetic, measly, humiliated, defeated human being. May Allah Ta'ala protect us. Uh, Ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah has a beautiful quote. He says, كُلَّمَا قَوِيَ الدَّاعِي إِلَى فِعْلِ الْمَعْصِيَةِ كَانَتْ زِيَادَةُ الْإِيمَانِ بِتَرْكِهَا أَعْظَمُ لِأَنَّ تَرْكَهَا مَعَ قُوَّةِ الدَّاعِي إِلَيْهَا دَلِيلٌ عَلَى قُوَّةِ إِيمَانِ الْعَبْدِ وَتَقْدِيمِهِ مَا يُحِبُّهُ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ عَلَى مَا تَهْوَاهُ نَفْسُهُ The stronger your desire for a certain sin, the stronger your iman will be when you leave that sin. 
right? The more, the more something is desirable, the more something is desirable, the moment you're able to leave that, then that means what? That's an indication that your iman is stronger and stronger. Then he says, that's because leaving it despite having a strong reason or a strong pull uh, to indulge in it is evidence of the servant's strength of faith and his prioritizing of what Allah Ta'ala and his messenger love over what his nafs desire. So SubhanAllah, the stronger the desire, the more you're able to walk away from it and drop that desire, that is, a str that is an indication of the stronger and stronger your iman is, SubhanAllah. Uh, Abu Ali al-Daqaq said what? فارق نفسك ولو بخطوة وقد حصل مقصودك Separate yourself from your desires even by a footstep and your goal is achieved. Beautiful quote. He's saying what? Even if you have just a baby victory, a tiny little victory, where you're able to take one step away from your desires and conquer your own base, weak, uh, base desires and weaknesses, inshallah, even that little step, you're one step closer and you are achieving your goal. That's ultimately your goal, subhanAllah. Uh, Al-Nasra Baadi, yes, Al-Nasra Baadi, rahimahullah, says what? Sijnuka nafsuka, idha kharajta minha he says, your prison is your nafs, your base desires, that is your prison. If you depart from your desires, you enter permanent peace. As long as you are attached to your desires, then you are in a prison of hardship and nothing will free you from it except steadfastness. This is such a, like, think about the mentality of the mu'min. He doesn't see physical prison as a prison. Somebody threatens you, I'm gonna put you in prison. Bro, that doesn't scare me. You know what scares me? The prison of my hawa, that's what scares me. The prison of my nafs, the prison of being attached and addicted to, I must do this, I must, I don't know, smoke that or drink that, or I must spend time with these people or those people, or I must run after my job and I will, you know, tell my boss, I'll do anything you tell me. You're my Lord, you're my master and I'm your slave. Why? Because I need this money so badly. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm, I'm genuinely afraid of what? Being enslaved into the prison of my nafs. As for the other type of stuff, that doesn't bother me. This is how the mu'min's mentality is completely different than everybody else. There's a nice quote from a poem, a poet, he says what? وَالنَّفْسُ كَالطِفْلِ إِنْ تُهْمِلُهُ شَبَّ عَلَى حُبِّ الرِّضَاعِ وَإِنْ تَفْطِمْهُ يَنْفَطِمْ He says, the nafs are like a child. If you allow it, it'll grow up loving, nursing, or clinging to you, or draining you. But if you wean it off, then it'll cut off. That is a really powerful, you guys, anybody who knows children, anything, anybody who knows anything about kids, you can either wean them for a short period of time or for a long time. And if you keep on weaning a child, it'll just keep on, keep on coming back to the mother and keep on suckling on the uh, breast milk. It'll keep on coming back to it. And, and so, subhanAllah, there are cases of some people who even the kid is big and talking and walking around, running around and playing, he still comes back and suckles because the mom never let go. So if you allow it to, the baby will keep on going and doing that, subhanAllah. So this is like your hawa, your, your base desires. If you keep on giving and keep on giving and keep on giving, then it'll keep on taking from you and draining it from you and draining from you. But when you cut it off, then eventually, alhamdulillah, you get free from it. So yes, there are a number of hadith the Prophet says what? Inna Allah kataba ala ibn Adam hazzahu min al-zina adraka thalika la mahala fazina al-ayn al-nazar wazina al-lisan al-mantiq wal-nafs tamanna wa tashtahi wal-farju yusaddiqu thalika 
that Allah Ta'ala has written for the son of Adam his inevitable share of adultery, whether he is aware of it or not. The adultery of the eye is looking at something which is sinful. The adultery of the tongue is to utter or to speak words that are unlawful. And the inner self-wish or the nafs uh, is for longing for adultery and to desire it. And the private parts either turn that into a reality by affirming it or refrain from submitting to it and uh, deny that temptation. So subhanAllah, each and every single human being just naturally we, we're, we're, we're built with this natural uh, desire uh, for the opposite gender. And so subhanAllah, either that desire is going to manifest itself either through the eye, through the speech, or just as a desire internally, now that you can either affirm it or deny it, and that is up to you, subhanAllah. Yes, and uh, one more quote on this ayah, Allah Ta'ala says what? Uh, excuse me, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud rahimahullah. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud rahimahullah, he says what? Antum fi zamanin yaqudu al-haqu al-hawa وَسَيَأْتِ زَمَانٌ يَقُودُ الْهَوَى الْحَقِّ وَنَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنْ ذَلِكَ الزَّمَانِ He says, you are currently living in a time where the truth directs desires. There will come a time where desires direct the truth. So we take refuge in Allah from that time, subhanAllah. How more relevant is this quote than now, considering the idea that there are people, there's movements, whole concepts of people who think that the truth is literally whatever they desire. Based on my desires, that's what the truth is. So he's saying, look, it should be the truth. It should be the case that truth directs your desires. Like, I know I want this, but I have to follow the truth. And he's saying there's coming a time where, no, no, people will consider the truth, whatever my desires say. He says, may Allah Ta'ala protect us from that time. SubhanAllah, it applies to now. Uh, I believe one more ayah, inshallah. Allah Ta'ala says, فَإِنَّ As for this individual, then paradise will be his refuge, will be his protection, will, will be his ultimate shelter. It will be Jannah. Why? Because he was the one who feared the standing before his Lord and denied his base self. Now, this is what's really interesting. You take a look at these two descriptions of these two camps, the people of heaven and the people of hell. Ahlul Jannah wa Ahlul Nar. Allah Ta'ala described first, فَأَمَّا مَنْ طَغَى That is your external behavior. وَآثَرَ الْحَيَاةَ dunya. That is the internal feeling. That is the internal state of the disbeliever. Of So the external action is tughyan, going, transgressing all bounds. Just basically being impulsive, doing just any action. And then the internal state is what? That I always prefer the dunya to the akhirah. I always I, I prefer what is expedient to that which is long-term. Whereas the believer, Allah Ta'ala describes the internal state first, and then the external state. That's the internal state. He has fear of his standing before his Lord. That's the internal state of having the fear. And then, Externally, he prevents his soul from doing the wrong actions. So notice the order. The believer is internal and that then external, implying that what? He thinks before he acts. And what's interesting is that the ayah is one ayah. Allah Ta'ala says what? It's all one ayah. It's all together. Implying what? That the process is quick. The process of internally fearing Allah Ta'ala and then has a smooth transition into what? Into preventing himself from doing the wrong things. Whereas the opposite is true of the dis disbeliever. As for the disbeliever, it's external and then internal. Why? The implication is that he acts impulsively and then only after a long time, when he is forced to think about his actions, he justifies them to himself. And he goes, ah, oh, well, whatever, I prefer this dunya anyway. I have doubts about the akhirah anyhow. So subhanAllah, just in the wording of it, there's so much to be learned. In fact, just the pause in between. Pause. 
الدنيا. The pause in between implies what? That I just jumped impulsively. I didn't even really think about it. And then only later when somebody brings it up and says, well, don't you believe in the afterlife? Don't you believe in God? Don't you worry about these things? Oh, well, I mean, I don't really know about these things. I just, you know, I live for the moment. You know, but he, didn't, he wasn't really thinking about it anyhow. Why? Because he was preferring this dunya and ultimately because what? He just has turiyan. He just acts impulsively, subhanAllah. And also there's a lesson here, which is what? Some people commit a sin and then justify, by, justify it by saying what? Well, this is just who I am. This is who I am. Reinforcing the notion that their lowest inclinations are an inc- uh, incontrovertible part of their personality. However, Allah Ta'ala didn't say what? And he prevents his soul. Instead, Allah Ta'ala distances himself by calling it an-nafs. Not nafsuhu or nafsihi, not his soul, but an-nafs. Why? Just the wording of it is doing what? It's distancing us from our wanton desires by referring to them as an entirely separate entity, teaching us to perceive them as a challenge standing between us and the best version of ourselves. In other words, just because you make a mistake doesn't mean you are one. Very, very powerful quote. Just because you made a mistake doesn't mean you are one. So you shouldn't say to yourself, my base desires, that's who I am. This is me, man. This is who I am. No, don't look at it as, as your nafs. Look at it as the nafs. The nafs, it's something separate from myself, you know? And anyway, the furthermore, the Prophet says what? Huffatil jannatu bimakarih wa huffatin naru bishahawati. Paradise is surrounded by hardship and hellfire is surrounded by temptations. Yes, and these some, some scholars, they say that these two ayat were in reference to Mus'ab ibn Umair and his brother Amr ibn Umair. Why? Because uh, Amr ibn Umair, uh, he was somebody who followed his nafs and did all sorts of tuhiyan and he rejected the Prophet whereas his brother uh, Mus'ab ibn Umair uh, was one of the early believers and actually was the delegate that went to Medina and converted so many people to Islam, alhamdulillah, by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ultimately fought in the Battle of Badr. And when he did, he had his brother caught and tied up. And he said, He said to his brother, he said, oh my brother, to the Muslim, he wasn't speaking to his, his, of his blood brother, he was actually talking to the Muslim brother. He said, ya akhi, oh my brother, you should what? Tighten his bonds. Time up even tighter and ask for a large ransom because his mother has a lot of money. And then his brother, when his, his blood brother, when he heard this, he was like, who are you talking to? <laughs> he was shocked. He's like, wait, are you calling him Akhi, not me? I'm your Akhi, I'm your actual brother. Why are you talking to him that way? He said, yeah, Akhi, wasayatuka bi. He says, is this your advice that you're giving on behalf, of, on behalf of me? This is what you're talking about? You're talking about like getting the most money from me? How could this be the case? And then Musa'ab responded and said, innahu Akhi. No, no, you're not my brother. He's my actual brother. Dunaka, not you. Innahu akhi dunaka. He's my brother, not you. Al Ansari akhi dunaka. Anta leysa baini wa bainaka sila. He goes, no. He goes, the Ansari brother, the brother from Medina, who I just got to know recently, he's my actual brother. Uh, as for you, uh, there's nothing between us. There's no sila. There's no connection between us whatsoever. So, wallah alam, some scholars, they say that this was revealed uh, in, in context uh, of that uh, specific event and because of these events. And Allah knows best. I know I went long. I apologize. Inshallah, next week we're going to have our final. Um, where we finish off this surah. Uh, may Allah Ta'ala make us of those who uh, can be the people who prevent our nafs from our base desires and, 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 and have some self-restraint as opposed to the people of Turiyan who have uh, nothing but transgression and have no ability to withhold themselves. Ameen Rabbil Alameen. May Allah Ta'ala make us of those who always remember the standing before our Lord as opposed to preferring this dunya over the akhirah. Ameen Rabbil Alameen. Jazakul khair. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.